time again glad y'all could join us here today on this the american roadrunner podcast here we share stories from the road on our two-wheeled motorcycle machines all tales of spills thrills and chills all the good bad and ugly stories from the open road i'm your host bob marshall and i'm your host brian phillipson glad you could join us here today we got some exciting things to chat about yes we do you know what we don't have a guest today but we don't need one because we have you, Bob. You are the guest of honor for your own podcast. In that case, I'm the guest today, Bob Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> and That's you a know, good one. we decided we decided to do it this way today because Bob, you just came back from a really cool event. Yeah, they let me back in the country. I was <laughs> hanging out in Old Mexico all weekend for about four days, so it was pretty. Uh, four days counts as a weekend in Mexico, I reckon. <laughs> so yeah, we just made it back. Had a good time. So what was the event called? The event known as the El Diablo Run. This was uh, EDR 2019 hashtag. Uh, it was, uh, as usual, a very good time. Uh, this is my third one I've been to. It's been uh, happening for a while. I reckon this was the 10th one they put on, but it's every other year. It used to kind of be a different format where they'd hop around Mexico uh, usually on chop machines. Uh, now it's just kind of meets up in one place known as Old San Felipe. San Felipe. Is that in Baja, California? Yeah. Yeah, okay. it's on the uh, top of the Baja Peninsula there. Uh, probably just 50 miles south from the top of the... <laughs> top of the i'd say were you close to the beach but i think everywhere is close to the beach in baja right yeah we were right <laughs> on the beach, the beach the whole time yeah yeah there's a few good camps there and they've got these uh popolas that they put up and so everybody kind of parks their scoots under it and then sleeps up in them and i reckon most of the time it's rv camping but mm-hmm. we were uh we kind of took it all over with our motorcycles and downtown did, everything else yeah we had a really good time. motorcycle camping huh well, not me directly. I was actually graced with uh, the opportunity to uh, hang out in a room. So that was uh, pretty nice. I was about, I don't know, two blocks from everything, all the happenings. But room had a wonderful uh, ocean view. It's it's really exciting when you don't have to go very far and you can still watch the sunrise on the ocean. Cool. As opposed to us over here, we're used to watching the sunset. So <laughs> that sun would come blaring through the room, man. It, 545 or whatever (laughs) remind you that you're alive so that uh yeah it was a good time but yeah most people were camping out and hanging out having a good time i took my uh old rigid uh cop chop number 27 down there it uh kind of survived kind of didn't broke a few things uh everybody else kind of broke a few things we had a few uh snaggles that uh, got in the way but at the end of the day everybody had a really good time nobody died so that's what i'm excited about that's good so san felipe good weather oh uh, yeah you took the cop bike why'd you pick the cop bike well, you know, you got to have fun and laugh. And if you're going to be on old Mexican roads, you might as well be on a rigid. Yeah. I mean, that's really the way to enjoy life. My back's pretty mad at me and my bike's pretty mad at me. <laughs> Everything's kind of mad at me. Honestly, I broke a few things. Uh, we had a nice race out in the dirt field there uh, across from the camp that most people are at. And uh, I got real excited and participated and uh, crashed the first time (laughs) in the sand pit. And that really sucked. But I kind of got it back up and got it going. And then I crashed the second time in the sand pit. (laughs) And uh, my exhaust decided to, my my exhaust uh, extend pipe at the end decided to come up and come off. And then uh, all the gas fell out of my carburetors because the bike didn't just tip over. The bike was more than 90 degrees over so it was quite hellacious the funny thing was is i ran out there and tried to just as soon as i fell off i stood up and tried to just pick it up like it was a honda rebel (laughs) it didn't work no so luckily for me a few people kind of ran over and helped me pick it up and and then uh boy it took me gosh a good 15 or 20 seconds to get it started again 
because once the carbs are out of fuel, it's it's not going to want to start. Yeah. And I mean, probably half a gallon poured out of the motorcycle. Shit. From all, yeah, from all edges. And you have the gas tank at the front of your motorcycle, too. I was looking at the pictures right. on Instagram. You've got this. It, it, you know what it reminds me of is, you know, you see those pictures of the uh, St. Bernard rescue yes, dogs yes. with a little barrel of whiskey underneath their neck. That's what it reminded me of when I looked at your motorcycle. It's got this big silver keg uh, at the front underneath the headlight. No, you're right. And that that's a very different. There's another guy in Japan who messaged me once and said, hey, I saw you do this. So I'm doing the same thing. But other than that, nobody else does it. And I'll tell you the logistics are pretty simple. Uh, I took off 34 pounds of fairing off that, you know, it was an original Kawasaki moto box. So it had the big fairing on the front. So I took off 34 pounds of fairing and I think I added 31 pounds of gasoline and gas tank. I mean, so it so didn't change the weight all that much or no, how it handles. Okay. No, exactly. It, it all kind of added up. The downfall is yes. When the gas tank's half full or the gas tank's mostly full, it will shake and I'll sit there at a stoplight and it'll, Shake a little to the left and shake a little to the right. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta be aware of it. All of a sudden, there's another act acting on my handlebars and handlebars. It, uh, yeah. What happened to your handlebars? I heard uh, something about yes, that. The that's more. That's more uh, towards the end. So we'll yeah, we'll wait on I that. Was, uh, my, may they rest in peace. <laughs> so the race. Um, was it called the El Diablo Run or was it called something else? Oh, yeah. We were just having some good race games out there in the okay. big dirt lot. And How many laps was it? It was four. Yeah, four laps. Four and a half, technically. Mm-hmm. We'd start up on the street. And that was funny because where we were starting, the locals were really pissed off that we closed this little side road down. And, boy, right before the race, man, these locals got out and got in my face. And they thought for sure it was totally my fault that the road was closed and they weren't having it. But, you know, you got 50 bikes sitting up there and they're all getting in line. Like, why? You're the big guy. Yeah, they (laughs) always pick the fight with the big guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lucky for me, there was uh, there was another guy there who was assisting with the race and he spoke Spanish. So he was able to calm these guys down. Hmm. But I thought, great, I'm, I'm running three seconds late to get to the race and I'm trying to put my safety gear on you know i and these guys are just screaming at me, but that's mexico for you I, so i'm trying to imagine this so you guys just mobbed up in san felipe found a street shut it down and said hey we're gonna race here we're gonna start the race here we're gonna go down this little dirt hill and this acre or two acres of blank field here covered in rocks nails old <laughs> building debris old tires we're gonna use that and call it a race course syringes a little to the left a <laughs> little to the right Wow. And, uh, yeah, I, I ate shit twice. There's a lot of good video about it. Um, the old bike barn, that guy did a whole video of me trying to put my exhaust back together because the whole, the whole thing was finagled, and I was dragging it, and I could feel the bike just running <laughs> like crap. Uh, once I got it going again, and people are pointing and yelling and screaming, and, uh, you know, you just get back on, keep going, have a damn good time. There were four people in that race. I don't know if I came in third or fourth. Uh, and that's a funny thing when you're racing, you really don't know how you're doing because you're so busy concentrating on making sure you're looking ahead, making sure the clutch is where you look at, you know, making sure everything's right. You really forget your placement in the race. You forget how you don't pay attention to other people like you do when you're spectating on the race, when you're spectating on the race, things are good. But when you're actually in the race, you get so I do, I don't know how other people are, but I get so occupied on go oh God, please don't let me hit those tires. <laughs> how do I get around the sand pit this time? How'd I do it last time? Anyways, yeah, the uh and the second time I fell, the guy in front of me had crashed in the sand pit and so I was trying to go around him and that's when I caught it just right again and ate crap. Yeah. I was going pretty fast the second time actually. My shoulder really hurt because I hit the dirt hard right in front of like Annette and all my cheering section <laughs> they're all right there witnessing all like, this Ooh. oh yeah it was they could feel the the gut punch yeah it was it, it was pretty bad so it was like a short track like w- would it be oh, like a yeah. quarter mile so so basically pe- people might lap each other and that's why you could never tell who was winning or who wasn't exactly it was like one person keeping track of everybody well and there was one guy there I got to meet and him and I had been messaging a bit back and forth on Instagram. He knew who I was and, and I, I knew who he was and boy, this guy must've fallen four or five times <laughs> on a sportster. 
but it got the Sportster kept running, you know, where my KZ the last time it all the fuel once all the fuel fell out of the car, it wasn't <laughs> having it. It just wouldn't need to get that guy some training work. wheels for his bike. Yeah, but he, he got <laughs> up and kept going. But I remember, gosh, probably three times I had to avoid not running him over. I had to really I had to slam on the brake at the rear end out from underneath me, you know, turn, turn left and go right. Whatever. Was I mean, his name Hazard? <laughs> his name was uh what was his name dirty joe he's from phoenix oh yeah yeah but he uh no he was having a good time man he really rocked it so, so. he's dirty joe because he was always in the dirt hey man hey and, man and so you close down the street the policia didn't have any problems with that they weren't like i don't know how they did americano it. locos yeah the locals <laughs> were not happy they were yeah the locals were not happy about that at all so they tried to put a cone there then the military came through, Whoa. and I, I made the mistake of moving the cone for the military. Then I put the cone back. Then there's a line of, I, you know, there's 50 bucks sitting there. <laughs> you know, I it was, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Things are just done differently in Mexico, I reckon, so... The military showed up. Were, were they wearing like the the riot gear and everything? Oh come, yeah, come they, on the big military truck. Yeah, yeah. And there that. was there was a guy. There was one. There was just one guy, and I think it said. I think it said naval police or something, but yeah, there's a guy standing up in the back of the truck with a big old machine gun in his hand. <laughs> so I moved the cone for him. I figured that was appropriate. Yeah. But then once uh, the other people wanted to get by, they saw me move the cone back. Then all of a sudden, I'm the guy in charge of the cone, <laughs> and I was trying to get ready to race. So yeah, you're the cone man. Yeah, it was. It was a little sideways, but you know, we had a good time. No one died. Nope. Not not yet. Anyways, I mean, people are still not struggling yet. with the food poisoning. I'm sure. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, there was half a day, and I think I had to relate it back to the La Leche that they gave me at this great little diner in downtown uh, for my coffee. And it looked cold. It felt cold, the the small um, serving did. Anyways, I, I thought it would be okay to drink, but apparently not. It shut me down for half a day. Major headache and all the other stuff that goes with that. And mm-hmm. I, I was fortunate enough that everyone kind of thought ahead and brought Pepto and Imodium AD and I just took a few swigs of all that and then I 10 <laughs> minutes later I was out racing so they, I was just hoping not to shit my pants while I was racing you know you come to the start line they're like and now racing number 27 botulism bob exactly <laughs> exactly I kept it on the down low I was pretty embarrassed about it yeah I, th- I reckon a lot of people did that and that's why as a Kelsey says you always bring a couple pairs of thongs, right? Exactly. Extra extra underwear. Extra, yeah, exactly. And that was, <laughs> I know the next day we hit the beach and I couldn't find my shorts in the room to save my life. So <laughs> as usual, Annette found them after the fact. Like, no, your shorts are right here. But oh, of I was course you knew out, where they were. <laughs> yeah, I was hanging out on the beach with my pants all rolled up and my my uh, boots on, just having a good time. But, you know, everybody's jumping in the water. I was just sitting there acting like I was trying to read a book but and I, I saw some of the pictures of you racing you were mm. wearing coveralls right like a oh yeah my regular coveralls that I like to wear on the road <laughs> they're real convenient they've got uh, they've got a nice little layer on the knees and uh, almost like shin guards so they work real well so yeah I just threw those back on to race kind of difficult to wear those when you are having stomach issues right oh yeah because it, it takes a minute yeah you, you got to take all your clothes off just to sit down on the toilet when, when you're wearing coveralls exactly yeah, it's definitely, <laughs> get naked yeah. just to take a shit it, it's definitely an experience but racing cross country it works pretty well yeah just a quick thanks to one of our sponsors and friends, one Mr. Curtis Morgan with Ride One Can a Day. He's getting the app put out. Check him out on the Instagram, Ride One K in a Day. Challenge yourself, Ride One K in a Day. So the El Diablo run, I kept on thinking you were saying El Diablo rum. And mm. I was like, I've never heard of that alcohol before. That'd be a That's good new. one. There was a guy who took a picture of me with my foot up on the back, all looking like a captain. But, <laughs> you know, it's San Felipe, so you got to be a little ridiculous. Yeah. So how many people were there for the the entire event oh god out of several thousand yeah i mean there there were several hundred people watching this makeshift race having a good time i mean it was you know it was all good games and i think that was the best part people like to watch the crashes and i provided some good entertainment for that now how many people I didn't even qualify you know how many people go to that as compared to something like sturgis yeah a lot less people run Obviously. down to mexico and i think that's the exciting part when you run into people that you've known for a long time or you meet people who've come from 
I met I met one guy, Rob, uh, Rob Boyce. He was great because he knew all about the stampede. So he was real excited to hang out with myself and fellow stampeders. And he came all the way in from New York. Wow. You know, just spent a few days and cruised over. And he's just a great guy and had a lot of questions, of course. And uh, he was he was really excited to be there. And then there's, um, you know, older people you've known forever that you've seen at other runs, but they were just afraid to hop into Mexico, and then all of a sudden they're there. And <laughs> we, were, we were real lucky. Uh, a lot of the Stampede family was there. Any uh, friends of the podcast? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let me... Oh, like anybody we've had on the podcast? Yeah, of course. Uh, Annette. Annette was Earth there. Earth with a D was Earth there. Earth with a D, yep. She, uh, she was my, my riding partner and my bunking buddy, so that worked out pretty well. Um, Jer was there, of course. Uh, Jer's usually there. Uh, but he's from episode, what episode was he on? Oh, I don't remember. He's Jer. Everyone yeah. can remember crazy Jer. <laughs> yeah, he was one of the first few ones. We got to have him back on, actually. Yeah. Nice to, we'll catch up with him. And, you know, those got Jer's in Colorado. Mike Shoup, fellow Stampeder. He's up in uh, northern New Mexico or central New Mexico. Uh, Nomad Charlie, the guy who was kind enough to kind of put the stampede on for us back in the day he was there um there was all sorts of excitement uh, uh brother was there willie and that that guy's just awesome as can be um we, we had a really good time we, we had a, a really good freaking turnout as far as local people who like to race and people have done the stampede velarde velarde gonzalez he was there man that guy's awesome i actually right you know and these are all dear friends of mine that you know that i've i've done some crazy stuff for jer actually messaged me the day before we were leaving and uh my good friend ray who came in second uh last year of the race and he ran the last few stampedes and he'd always come in you know fourth uh second third i mean the guy's just an animal you wouldn't believe it by looking at him but um he uh he he came into town and we were gonna hop down together it was great and I got this message from Jer going, hey, I blew off a piece of my tire. Because these guys were probably doing 120 trying to get down through Mexico. And uh, he goes, do you have another 18-inch tire? You know, it's an H- it's a 120 by 90. It just happens to be the tire that fits on all the KZs, and mm-hmm. that's what he needed. Can I borrow your spare? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I, I, I went, yeah, I got a brand new one right here. It's on a rim. But I, Ray and I spent 20 minutes and got it off the rim, and I strapped it to the side of the scoot and cruised down and we stopped a few times on the way down people would be like bob why the hell do you have a spare tire on <laughs> you know and i'd tell them jer and they'd go oh yeah i saw that post now it all makes sense you're bringing jer a spare tire so as soon as i even got there you know jer jumped on the back with his rim and tire so we had, we had his rim and tire on on one cage on the back of the chop cop the, the cop chop <laughs> and then uh the, the new tire and we hop into town and we found a tire guy and he he did it up you know that way we didn't have to do it ourselves and it was really funny jerry's sitting there helping the guy we're all helping the guy and this is all on the instagram but so for a little bit you had a four-wheeled cop chop it, it was pretty <laughs> ridiculous looking and i had jerry on the back so oh, it boy. looked really that just seals i just deal. rode by everybody nothing going on here this isn't fishy i promise <laughs> oh my god it, it, yeah it was it was nuts. pictures or it didn't happen yeah well, <laughs> hopefully there, there's no pictures out there no there's a bit of video i shot actually we're we're hopping <laughs> through san felipe and i turned on the video <laughs> that, this is pretty normal to ride around with jerry on the back last edr was his brother willie he was on the back of my cop chop so you know there's always always some squirreliness for some reason but luckily you know the cop chop's been extended so much that there's a good 12 inches between the person in front and the person in back so no. there's no no butts to nuts. <laughs> Just saying. So it, it works out pretty well. So we got that new yeah. So we got that new tire put on, got it back on his bike. He's good to go. Tire's almost brand new and he's running it of course i got a kz rim sitting in the back with no tire on it but we'll figure that shit out later. That's just what friends do for each other. It's Among other things. Yeah. Check out our friend Jake with the Flying Dutchman Co. With all your motorcycle and customization needs. That's the Flying Dutchman Co. You can find them on Instagram and YouTube at the Flying Dutchman Co. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we had a good time, and uh, oh, what point? Uh, Danger Dan, of course, is down there. Had a killer time with him as usual. 
some good meals, some good chats. Uh, one point, uh, him and Velarde were busy uh, giving us good shows of uh, some wheelie contests out on the drag there. So, whatever, man. It's freaking EDR. <laughs> good, good times. Well, Bob, I'm glad you made it back safely. Um, as the guests at home can probably hear, you're still kind of tired, yawning a little bit. But I wanted to well, interview you before you know uh, ah, you forgot some of the stuff that happened. I you know, forgot everything. Fresh. Listen, there's no no stuff. If if you want to experience San Felipe, Mexico, with myself and a few hundred maybe even a few thousand of my closest dirty backer friends. You got to cruise down there. Yeah. That's make some it. memories, make some memories, you know, cause the whole town gets set up for it. They all have banners and posters all over the place. You know, it's good uh, business. Well, and, and that's a funny part too, cause they try to spell it in English or they try to, and the spelling's just all wrong. It, just, <laughs> it drives me nuts. It was welcome. El Diablo errs. I mean, just the funniest. <laughs> Isn't spot. El Diablo like a Spanish yeah, I spent the devil, the devil's <laughs> run. That was the, yeah, El Diablo, the <laughs> devil. So, I, but, you know, downtown was, uh, well, it's always fun. They, they, they really get set up. And you got to be careful. I mean, for those people who haven't traveled in Mexico, you know, people are always talking to people. People are always trying to sell you something. You can be in the middle of a conversation. People walk up and they want money because they, uh, you know, have a busted hand and they're not on uh, medical or maybe little kids uh, trying to sell chiclets. Yeah. Everybody, you know, I I don't think any kids tried to sell me chiclets. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, everyone's walking around trying to sell something. Uh, the big service this year seemed to be like corn rolling people's hair. Dan's hair was just all in these great freaking tight, gorgeous looking corn rolls he's supposed to cruise by wednesday so he'll probably still have them oh wow so yeah, that's not just a jamaica thing when you when you travel there now they it's were san felipe they braid your hair oh yeah the henna tattoos and i mean oh. the sunglasses you name it man they had it but some of their prices aren't very good at the time when you travel in mexico you got to know uh this time the peso was 18 to a dollar so it's 18 pesos per u.s dollar so hmm. everything was a little off and it just fell it used to be 20 to one so if you if you ask someone they'd say oh this is 35 pesos mm-hmm. and you'd go okay well here's two dollars keep the change and they're thinking well well no you you know or here's a dollar and a half keep the change well no you still owe me you know so you'd hmm. have to figure it out quite quick so you just kind of learn but i you know i'm not i know there was at breakfast one time, she told me, well, it's 109 pesos. And I, so I went to pay about five bucks, you know, mm-hmm. plus tip. So I went to give her $7 and I accidentally gave her 11 And I realized that as I was heading to her and she walked away and I went, oh, like 10 minutes later, I was like, oh, man, I gave her two. Ah, whatever. You just made her day. Like, I, I'm sure I made her day. And, you know, I'm sure it's fine. What are you going to do? It's just a few dollars. And that was for... Two breakfasts, coffees, you know, whatever. It's and $5. she will never look down on bikers again. Well, I could imagine not. I mean, we were throwing <laughs> money all over the place. There's just so many things to throw money at. Um, yeah, my favorite were the churros that they made right there on the street. And one night I went, I, it was last night, I went running down just to grab some churros before they before they closed it down. Did they have any of that and corn on the cob? And no, no corn no. on the cob this year. No. So churros, that was the way to go. Well, and downtown's real busy, and you can only go one way. So there's no two way. You got to go with the one way. And I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, someone jumped on my back. And I thought, <laughs> what the? And I look, and there's Beulah May, you know. Beulah. From, oh, yeah, from Girl on a Moto podcast. Oh, she was just she she was was great just, at the hippie killer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was just running through the streets of San Felipe and jumped on the back of my back. She goes, where are we going? I go, well, you're going to be disappointed. We're just <laughs> going around the corner to get uh, net and nice some of these churros, you <laughs> Man. know. Man, hey, worse people can jump on the back of your bike. No, you're right. I she, Yeah, I got pretty lucky. You're right. And she goes, oh, <laughs> well, can, can you give me a ride back to camp? Because the camp's like a mile, yeah. you know, where all the hotel rooms are from from uh from downtown it's like a mile north uh and it but it's hard to get between there and there because there's a lot of stop signs a lot of dirt well at one point we were all following jerry and i don't know what happened man he led us down the dirt road everything fell off our motorcycles by the time we got there we all kicked his ass like you led us the wrong way <laughs> a dog bit velarde along the, what the, i mean it was just it was it was like the worst ride ever and that was a joke Mike Shoup was making that man. Jerry just ruined Baja for us. I mean, <laughs> not just San Felipe, but all of Baja Peninsula. <laughs> ah, it was good fun, man. 
We had a good time. That's good. That's good. I'm glad you came back in one piece. Didn't get hassled too much by policia or anything. No, no. One at one point, yeah. Other than the, military uh, guys going by on the cone. Yeah, they. You know, boy, those guys look intimidating. I, honestly, they're all pretty younger guys. I reckon. Yeah. Uh, but, Did any you know, of them have a have a cop chop like yours? Well, and that was the at one point the policia. We were cruising through downtown, nice and slow, and he, this guy's riding around on a nice little Honda. Maybe it's a 125 uh, quad, just a tiny little quad. He's this big old federale <laughs> dude, you know. And he pulls up next to us, and and he and that says, "Oh, you want to race? You know, like let's race." And I'm like, "Can't ask, don't ask." What he goes, "No, I want to trade, you know, but leave you on the back." <laughs> he wanted to he race wanted for pinks and get the girl. Exactly. Huh? <laughs> that, that, that's what he was excited about. It is nice to hop around without a helmet on, too. You know, most of the time. Oh, really? What other on. kind of uh, laws are different in Mexico than, than well, here in California? I, I think the biggest one is alto. You know, stop the stop signs. Those are just a suggestion. People do not have to stop. <laughs> People just speed limits. So it's not to, even a California stop. They just no, roll through. Them? They just roll through, like you know, and you're really. It's you could have a complete dick in the in the mesh of people, but you're just, okay. You go okay, then I'll go. Oh, that person's cr- go ahead and cross. You know. I, there's no it's not the rigid uh strict enforcement that we have here oh crap i'll be ticketed there and everyone's everyone's friends you know with the policia a few times you know box were parked up on the sidewalk maybe so we'd be sitting there having dinner or lunch somewhere and you know this guy would hop in hey you know park the motorcycle on the sidewalk and he's speaking in spanish (laughs) so someone would translate for us you know somebody's box parked on the sidewalk you need to move it. He wasn't out writing tickets. He was just, if you could, you know, do us a favor and move it, that'd be great. No, no problem. You know, mm. <laughs> so yeah, the, those guys are real cool. And all the, everybody's seems to be real friendly, uh, you know, with the police. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. No, no shakedowns culture. going on. I guess, I guess oh, you'd have no. to be a, a blonde surfer kid who looks like you have a rich uncle, uh, <laughs> for them to shake Maybe. you down for money. Yeah. They see the bikers and they're like, ah, these guys don't have any money. We're not going to shake them down. Well, last time I went through there, you know, San Felipe is a hundred and I think it's 180 kilometers or whatever, 130 miles maybe from the border. But you got to get through Calexico's on the U.S. side. Then you go into Mexicali. Right. Well, last EDR I was going through Mexicali and there's this roundabout you got to hit because the route down there is is five mm-hmm. and you cannot stay on right five in Mexicali. You got to hit this roundabout and hopefully you get in the right direction to go out back to the U.S. border. You probably won't. Well, last time I was down there, somehow I didn't, and I got pulled over for, like, running a lot. And, the, the, you know, the policia was real nice. He's in this great little Ford Fiesta, very official looking. And uh, he got a piece of paper because I didn't speak Spanish, you know, and he drew a map of what I did and what I did wrong. And I should follow him to the police station and, you know, pay the $45 fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, maybe I could take care of that right here, right now. Maybe I can pay you and you'll pay the fine for me. Oh yeah, sure. I could do that. Okay. So, uh, and they make it $45. So it's kind of a hard, I reckon they're thinking you'll just give them three twenties cause they're not going to have change. Right. But yeah, this guy, but I, that's my big rule. I always carry just a ton of change. I mean, I had Forty dollars in ones and eighty dollars in fives and a few twenties, but I mean it was mostly just ones and fives. And uh, so yeah, I just paid him right there, and he said, "Okay, have a good day, have fun, nice <laughs> motorcycle." You know, so, so a very nice shakedown. <laughs> oh yeah, you just got very be, gentlemanly. As with everything, you got to be nice, and you know, nice of him to pay the ticket for me. But I tell you what, <laughs> in any other state, that ticket would have been two, three hundred dollars. They would have sent it to me in the mail. And it's and better c- than going to a Mexican prison. I can tell you that much. Oh, you've been to a Mexican prison? No, but I've seen them on TV. <laughs> I have. <laughs> well, I, I, I've seen U.S. prisons, and I'm not excited to be in anything that looks, smells, or says prison on it. So Right. Mm. No, thanks. $45, cheap insurance. That's just how the culture is. And uh, the fact that I'm on a rigid, you know, cross-country racing machine has nothing to do with it. It's just, and everywhere you go, sometimes people have vendettas against people who ride motorcycles, so they're cutting you off or they're, really? you know, running India. Yeah, it's, it's... You mentioned insurance. You have to get different insurance when you go over the border, right? Well, I've heard you're supposed to, but I've never done that. Okay. Um, you know, I, I've heard it's a big sham, 
if you're in an accident in Mexico, you're right. You got to make a deal right there. Mm. So I reckon I'd just be there making a deal. You know, I always carry a few extra dollars on my person somewhere yeah. that's not in my wallet. Yeah. And if that so. doesn't work, you just give them the gold out of your teeth. The diamonds I, I, that you have. Yeah, stuff. I reckon you can. <laughs> Man, I wish I had diamond in my teeth. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> Although I'd probably forget to brush it and look pretty bad <laughs> after a while. No, you, you know, it's just a different way of, of doing business and doing life. And and uh, Mexicali there is, is a little rough to get through. Yeah. Uh, a lot of stop signs, stop lights. People are honking and screaming. And they just don't have the public work systems like we do either. So the right. streets are dirtier. Uh, the, one of the roads we had taken San Felipe there was the main fish processing, you know, all the, all the fishing boats going in and out right there. Oh, it probably smelled like hell. Oh, it smelled like hell. Yeah. But you know, it, it is what it, we had a great ride back, ran into rich. And that's a funny thing is that, you know, there's thousands of motorcyclists there. So you're not there by yourself. I mean, it's, it's you and several thousand of your dirtiest biker friends. So everybody's helping each other out. Somebody's missing a part. I mean, me being Breen and Jared tire is not a big deal. Um, I know my buddy uh, Timmy from Wichita, Kansas. One Mr. Skidmar, he's a good friend. Him and his girlfriend Jack Glenn. They uh, Timmy ended up blowing a belt, and uh, somebody else had a belt, and but they didn't have a way to prop the back up to change the drive belt. So this one guy had taken a sofa and put it on the back of his. Harley, his uh, sportster. A sofa on the back that. of a Harley? Oh, yeah. And and it was like a, well, it was, you know, it was a chair, a sofa chair. What do you call that? Uh, like a recliner yeah. or a lazy boy? Lazy boy. And okay. I think he wrote on it, sofa king choppers or something. <laughs> but at this point, the darn thing had gotten all busted up. So they laid it on the ground and they put Timmy's back on top of that so they could trade the, way. you know, it, it's just, <laughs> and they're right in downtown San Felipe. I mean, it was. It was uh it was a really good time, so things are just a little different down there. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. And just a quick shout out to one of our Riverside locals, Speed King Cycles. Steve and Amy can hook you up with all your custom needs for Harleys and beyond. Speed King Cycles here in Riverside. I hear they might also be carrying one acclaimed book, American Roadrunner. Check them out, Riverside. Speed King Cycles. So, Bob, when you were uh, there in San Felipe for the El Diablo run, did you mm. meet any fans, anybody who's read your book, anybody who listens to podcasts who you'd never met before? Yeah, well, I'm pretty fortunate. I mean, anybody who's ran the Stampede, they're all kind of fans of the Stampede. And, you know, I need to reiterate a very true statement. That is, I'm just one of the people who raced in the Stampede. There's handfuls and handfuls of people who are way more badass about it than I am. <laughs> you just, just wrote about it. <laughs> I just wrote about it as a self-healing exercise and got to, you know, get my story out. This is my story. And that's the benefit of our website. This is my story. Feel free to share your story right. with me. And originally, that's what turned me on to the Stampede was Nomad Charlie's writing, you know, in the magazine about the Stampede and all the cool squirrely stuff you do. How do you take super cool which is chopper strip down motorcycle and make it even more super cool and push it all the way across country you know and that's that's a joke I, we were all sitting around at one point and i said can you imagine how much money we've spent charlie chasing you around this country just trying <laughs> to keep up with y'all you know and he he has such a great attitude he's such a good friend we're gonna have him on the podcast soon enough i was talking to him about it good but yeah man i you know hung out with dan he's a huge fan of our podcast and your NPR voice, as he says, yeah. <laughs> he really enjoys that. But I did get to have some good talks with some good people. Uh, I, I I think it was last night uh, I was getting ready to leave the camp there. And uh, uh, my friend Stacy, Stacy Wilt, she was just kicking it in her hammock. So her and I chatted for, gosh, half an hour about what she's been up to, what I've been up to. She really wants to be on the podcast, but she's absolutely insistent that she finishes reading my book. She's about halfway through <laughs> it. She uh, ordered it through either the website or Amazon anyways. Um, and she does some, you know, she does a lot of cool, fun stuff. You know, she she has a good time riding motorcycles everywhere like the rest of us. Uh, I also got to meet uh, through my friend Sonia, Miss AZ Passies. I got to meet uh, her friend Robert English. That guy was way cool. Yeah. He, uh, That's a cool name. 
I know, right? Well, he just did the ride one K in a day, and he won the contest awesome. uh, and won my book, right? Great. That Curtis Morgan has been uh, having. So he was telling me when he was there that uh, he just kind of met me in passing, and then he goes, "Oh, you're you're Bob Marshall, the guy wrote the, and this and that." And <laughs> the was, Bob Marshall, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. What the Roadrunner. Like, ah, you know, <laughs> he was really excited. No, nah, he, he he's very creative photographer. Uh, I know at one point. When I was coming home this morning, he was on the side of the road and I didn't notice it was him until I saw someone who was standing up on the side of the road drop to the side of the road and he's on his belly on the side of the road taking pictures, you know, as I, as I haul ass by. So, so he probably got some good ass. pictures that he's going to try to sell you or something. I hope so. <laughs> I, he got some good ones of me crashing too, he was telling me. So he's, he's a pretty talented guy, but obviously one hell of a rider, enjoys the 1K in a day, uh, took the challenge won the contest for the month and Great. uh he's got some cool stuff from our good friend steve over at speed kings as well as a copy of my book so it was real nice to sit and chat with him and and uh you know build a good uh yeah just a good relationship with like-minded people i mean that's really what it's all about swap some stories uh he, he had a lot of fun it was it was actually his birthday <laughs> so he was we had made this funny little this guy had made this funny little sand ramp and we kind of out there on the beach and so he's out there on the <laughs> beach you know people are out riding motorcycles on the beach which is great you can do that there and at one point he laid down under the ramp while one guy jumped over him <laughs> he's like best birthday present ever <laughs> of course there was another time he was taking a picture of my friend juice uh and some of her girlfriends from austin and uh she said something like oh robert do you know bob marshall and he goes, oh, yeah, no, blah, blah, blah. And I pushed him over while he was trying to take pictures into the <laughs> sand. So needless to say, in the, the, the next few minutes, they said, hey, Bob, take a picture of us with my camera. And he pushed me over. So like, I deserve that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, you know, simple, good fun. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that went down, though, that I won't be talking about. You know, <laughs> it's OK to leave stuff in old Mexico. I'm OK with that. All right. A lot of good stuff that, um, you know, wasn't... Uh, well, if you want to be part of the party, better be there. Happens every other year. So the next one's back in uh, 2011. Mexico is a beautiful country. It's not much different there in Baja than it is here in California. Culture's different. There's a bit more trash everywhere. They don't have the public works like we have. You know, the streets are shit. The roads are shit. But, you know, you have a good time. It's a good time. And you met a lot of fans. And I, I think that's really cool. That, yeah. Uh, the the book and the podcast are touching a lot of people and getting more people interested in motorcycles and so it, it must be really cool to meet some people who who have been touched and blessed by by american roadrunner and and who are following and listening now so that's if awesome. i could get more people excited and that this was my this is always my big push how to get people excited about sharing their stories and that's a benefit of the website is that you know you can submit a story and i'm happy to edit it whether it's 200 or 2,000 words, and, you know, we'll, we'll get it on the website. Now, not, not a story like Jack and Jill. It's got to involve motorcycles If it in involves motorcycles. Don't leave that out. <laughs> maybe some squirrely women, maybe some squirrely men. If you are a woman riding, I don't know. You know, whatever. I think so often than not, people think that writing is art. Okay, sure, it's art. But for me, writing, sitting down to write, is something I do every day, and it's no different than when I sit down and twiddle with my motorcycle or sit down and, you know, clunk out some cool stuff on my mandolin. It's something I do very passively. Maybe I do it for half an hour a day, hour a day. I wrote some cool stuff on my phone when I was down there. I did not bring a typewriter with me. I'd be very <laughs> proud. Although I don't think a typewriter would have survived the roads. I mean, even my, everything came loose on my bike. And we were riding back today. And we were somewhere, we were right before Bob Hope Drive on the 10. And the wind was hellacious. And uh, I'm going to back that up. I ran out of gas just south of Mexicali. And I had we had filled up when we got there, and I putted around quite a bit. And I thought, well, I, I should be able to make it. It's 180 kilometers, 130 miles, you know, back to Mexicali before I need fuel. And I ran out. And at that point, we were all in a group, you know, with Rich Silva and his wife Scoops, uh, my friend Angel, Miss Lilac, she was there, friend Sandra, she was there. You know, so we're all in this group and all of a sudden I ran out of gas and I was in front of them and I take the whole back and I'm on reserve already. So I throw the whole back down to my left 
because uh, of petcock's on the left so that way all the fuel any any last ounce of fuel that's in the tank gets thrown in there so i'm hanging on uh that'd be my right side bar i'm hanging on to and i just got the whole back and they all start passing me because i'm slowing down because the box just chugging on two or three cylinders and they're all looking at me like what the hell is bob <laughs> doing like what <laughs> And I finally ran out of gas. So I had to pull over. Luckily, I always carry, uh, you know, an extra 14 ounces in a water jug container of fuel. So I poured that in and went maybe another two or three miles and there was a gas station. So that worked out pretty well. Uh, pumped some gas and got us back over the border. And then today I'm just, <laughs> yeah, I'm just shy of Bob Hope Drive. And I go to pull myself forward on the bars just a little. And the right bar is like in my hand loose as the right be. handlebar yeah what? so the wait is the brake or the throttle on it yeah the brake and the front brake and throttles so on the how right does that even work then so it's completely loose and jiggling and all i can grab onto is the left so oh. i quickly jump off the highway and a net, you know a net's behind me and and i pull into a starbucks parking lot that's all i could find <laughs> and she goes uh, so you want coffee or what and i hit this handlebar that's barely hanging on and it's just flopping like oh i go this is a problem so it didn't completely detach uh my bars have uh a few small crossbars that help hold them obviously those broke and the point at the bottom where it attaches to the tree there somehow that busted too so but if i pushed it forward it was where it was supposed to be (laughs) So I took a, a little piece of rope that I have that I carry. <laughs> I was going to say, what'd you do? Rubber yeah. bands, bubble gum, a, a branch Hockey of a Joshua tape. tree? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just rig it all together? <laughs> well, so that's what I had to come up with. So I had my backpack that had, you know, uh, I think it had one of my books and then two or three Louis L'Amours. You know how I travel. <laughs> and so I, that's jammed up there anyway. So I just jammed it to the right against the bar. I pushed the bar forward against that. And I tied this rope at the top of the bar and then I ran it down my spare fuel cell to the bottom of the tree and just gave it a nice trucker's notch, made it super tight. And so now it's only kind of (laughs) loose. So the problem is naturally when we ride motorcycles, your right hand's usually your dominant. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's where the throttle is, where the brake. I mean, I rarely have my left hand on the bars. My left hand's for my coffee, for my food, for my snacks, for my cigarettes, whatever that was no longer the case so i had to tell my brain not to use my right hand even though that's what i'm used to using so i would still throttle and brake well mostly throttle i would throttle up uh go through the clutching but i had to put all my weight and balance the back with my left hand and you do that for 20 minutes coming through the windstorm that we came through on the 10 there in whitewater i mean it's just hellacious so I learned to sit way forward and I would grab the top of the bar with my left hand and then put my left elbow actually on the grip. Mm. And so that's how I was able to, I had to use my whole left arm from my hand to, the what? (laughs) Your whole Dutch rudder arm. What does that even mean? Uh, if, if we you don't know what a Dutch oh, wait, rudder that, is, no, then. no, <laughs> we're not talking about that. inside joke, that, Dutch rudder. That is nothing inside. Well, it's your strong arm, your Dutch rudder arm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I heard this. Yeah, that that's hilarious. You're hilarious, Brian. Uh, Folks, yeah. if you don't know what a Dutch rudder is, ask Bob. He'll no, show you. He has no idea. <laughs> no idea. So it got a little squirrely and a little dangerous. It was hard to get on and off the freeway because I couldn't. I had to you know, pull the back mostly with my butt cheeks is how I leaned on the back. I would just prop my seat a little to the left, a little to the right. Cause all I had was my left. I was just Adjust totally that missing. Rag. Exactly. <laughs> and it doesn't sound like a big deal, but it was, it was a little scary, especially coming through the wind, man. That wind just throws that ridge left and right. And, uh, you know, beat me up a bit. That's fine. Um, it's, it's just a totally different concept of only use your left arm for everything. Do not rely on your right arm for anything. Yeah. And usually it's the exact opposite on a motorcycle, but I figured it out and got home and Annette just kind of cruised behind me and watched me. <laughs> you don't realize how important a part of your motorcycle is until, until Til you it's lose gone. It, it, it kind of reminds me of my first car I had. 
uh, it was a 1991 Nissan Sentra, and it was a uh, you know, manual transmission. I, I learned sure. on manual, sure. and uh, man, that thing I kept on beating it up, beating it up, and I <laughs> finally decided I'm I'm only gonna buy gas and oil to keep it going. And as as it started falling apart, I was like, whatever, I don't care. I, well, you don't realize how important a a back seat or you know the oh, seat yeah. being able to adjust. You don't realize how important that is until it's stuck all the way back and you can't reach the clutch to, to <laughs> shift <laughs> and you're just like leaning forward try like basically i was holding on to the steering wheel like it was handlebars and i'm hovering over the seat just so i can shift nice. <laughs> nice. so yeah it's one of those things you don't realize how important it is until you lose it yeah and there's not you know there's not much and i reckon i you know i, I reckon other people would have maybe other people would have towed the back home at that point but you know, you adapt and you figure it out and you're used to being on the road. So it's not a big deal. So I just had to adapt and it was a little scary. You know, the big scene was like making hard right or left turns. Yeah. Those were nearly impossible, especially trying to get up to speed because I'm trying to balance the back with my left hand while I'm busy clutching. And that was a big, so I had to use a few fingers to hang on to the handlebar or hand grip as it were. And then the other few fingers to clutch. Well, that KZ's got a real heavy clutch. Hmm. That that was always a downfall on those models. So, yeah, it got a little exciting for a minute. But you know, <laughs> you adapt, and here, here I made it home. Yeah, and I'll, uh, you know, I'll weld back up those bars, and uh, they'll be golden. I think I got to see if they're a little too rusty. I might just get a new set. But I've had that set of bars on there for six or seven years. I reckon it was all that track racing I was doing down at EDR. I yeah. tell you, my friends are real smart. They're like. We're not doing that. We still got to get back to Colorado, New Mexico, or Arizona. You know, we got to get back home on our bikes. Why would we race them on the track? <laughs> and Bob, you're a little crazy. I said, well, I got all you here. If anything breaks, we're going to figure it out, guys. They're like, oh, yeah, sure. We can fix anything. Yeah, we'll figure it out. So <laughs> I was pretty, <laughs> I didn't mind too much. You know, like I said, I didn't even qualify. I mean, I just ate crap twice, <laughs> but boy, I had a good time. So are you going to put different handlebars on the motorcycle now, like some of the really tall ones, or or, or, or are you just going to fix the ones you got? Yeah, no, I, I really like those. Yeah, they, they won't work, break again. They work, they're terrible for off-road or dirt racing, <laughs> track racing. They're terrible for that. Don't ever do that, Don't folks. ever do that. <laughs> Don't be like Bob. These lean-back bars, yeah. But no, they're, I really enjoy those bars. I scored them from the swap meet for like 20 bucks oh. <laughs> back in the day. And I think I had to weld on, on them then, but I had to weld. I, I was thinking about it. I had to weld on the left side and the right side's what broke. So I'm hmm. um, hoping, uh, hoping they're repairable. You know, it's just a bunch of metal. It's not a big deal to weld it back together. As long as there's not too much rust, we'll be golden. You got to trust your own work. Oh, yeah. Well, and that was always a big thing when I built that bike. You know, are the welds going to hold? that I put in because it was the first, that was the first bike frame I ever welded on. But I tell you, we just replaced that engine. And that's the nice thing about the way you replace the engines in those bikes is you, it's got, the, the bike has three bars going across the top. Uh, there's the main backbone. And then these two other bars that I don't even know why they're there. Uh, Jer and I came up with the theory that they're there because yeah well you're not able to put harley gas tanks on the japanese box i thought that was really ingenious but the answer is you got to cut one of those bars out to get the engine out so you cut one of the bars out you turn the box sideways you pick the back up and the engine is left on the ground hmm. you do the exact opposite to put a new engine in uh so me and my little dude you know spent a weekend uh cut that donor engine out of another back and then cut the engine out of that back and swapped them swap the engines uh you know and the engine weighs gosh 200 jerry and i were talking about it <laughs> i refer a lot to jerry I give him a call hey how much do you think my kz 1000 engine weighs and his answer will be well, with oil or without <laughs> so i think we figured on 225 pounds or something so it's not something you can just you know pick up and lug around off the ground maybe if it was sitting on a table you could pick it up um and move it a few feet move it from table to table would probably be all you got uh, a Harley engine's only a hundred pounds, you know, so those are real easy to lug around as needed. But uh, when you got the engine and transmission in one, like you do on a KZ 1000, uh, you just lay it on the ground and then you put the, the 200 pound back frame and wheels on top of the engine cause it's lighter. And while it was upside down, me and my dude remeasured everything and checked all my welds and you know, they're still golden. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty fortunate. So very cool. And that is, well. that is Bob's bike 
maintenance tip of the week. <laughs> yes. Double check all your welds, especially when they're on frames. Maybe after Mexico. I should probably check it all now. I mean, you know, if a frame if a frame weld broke, the Bach would tell me right away, I'm sure. Uh, but I'm always triple checking everything. Uh, it's real nice to, you know, have everything in black paint. So that way, if any metal does show through, I'll see it. But, uh, you know, if you slug everything and uh, do it right the first time, it works out real good. So just goes to show you, do it right the first time, whatever that may take. Yeah. Get her done. The artwork of American Roadrunner can be found by The Bow Monster. That's The Bow Monster on Instagram. Also, check out www.bomonster.com, The Bow Monster. So I was listening to the radio the other day and yeah. uh, good old K-Rock in the morning. And they were mm. talking about how um, there's a couple of people that uh, were riding a motorcycle. And I yeah. guess they found them. Unfortunately, they found him dead in a ditch and they couldn't figure out what happened to him because the motorcycle looked fine. But here they were like they were in an accident and, you know, there was no brake marks. And I guess they found they also found a dead vulture along with these two people. And what what the traffic scene investigators figured out was these two people on the motorcycle were driving and a vulture came and took them out, hit them in the head and they crashed and they all died. And, you know, part of me Gosh. was kind of laughing like this vulture was really hungry and was just trying was to make something happen. Wasn't going to wait. Happen. Wasn't going to wait for something dead to scavenge. He was like going after these people, but it, it killed the vulture, too. So I guess my question is, lose, lose. Have, have you ever um, been injured by hitting oh, an animal yeah. or something while flying on your motorcycle? Well, I don't think. You know what? Coming home today, a bee flew in my helmet. <laughs> that's, that's just right. as dangerous as yeah, a vulture. Yeah, I'll tell you what. That, and that's happened a few times. But this bee, it skidded off. My On my way there, we hit some really big bugs. And one of them I saw, I mean, it hit the top of my helmet and just splat. The whole top of my helmet is splattered in this bug's gut. <laughs> this bug had to be the size of my thumb because I saw <laughs> it's it. It's a big, big bug, if you know Bob's thumb. Well, and the, <laughs> and the funny part is, is that another one hit me a few minutes later, and it's always, it hit me right above my goggles, between my goggle and my helmet. That's where everything hits me. I don't know why. So then today, cruising home, this bee jumped off my forehead and hid and slid into my helmet i thought it was just a fly first but i felt it mm -hmm. and then i felt it like i felt something buzzing on my ear <laughs> you know and i thought well maybe this is just psychological this can't be so i'm reach trying to reach in my helmet and i'm banging on my helmet and whatever thinking oh there must be a fly maybe i'll smush it and kill it and uh sure enough at the next stop i pull my helmet off this bee falls out you know oh my, of my right ear i was just like wow but there has, there was a, I remember a few years ago, there was, boy, I was coming back. Wow, I was coming back from Austin. I was on my gold wing. It was, the sun was just setting or had just set. So it was pretty dark. There's still a little light in the sky. And it's just gorgeous. And I'm sure I was that side of El Paso, maybe this side. And this monster owl. I mean, it had to be, it felt, it looked like as big as an eagle. That's all I can assume it to be. It came flying out right in front of me, got just enough air that I don't know if it was its tail or its wing. Cause at this point I was slamming on the brakes, screaming, oh shit. in this half a second, but it nicked the top of my windshield on the gold wing and then the top of my helmet. Hmm. You know, if anything touches your helmet, it's amplified 10,000 fold. But this rattled my teeth. I mean, I was very wow. lucky my tongue was not in the way because my whole jaw just went, <coughs> you know, shit. and it, yeah, and boy, and at, and then you realize you're still upright. You're still going. You're chugging along in fifth now because you slowed down. So I had to downshift. There were no other cars around, luckily, but there's always stuff flying in the air. Um, Whoever says owls are wise are full of shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was an owl. I, you know, it might have been a vulture, but it really, it looked like an owl. Could have been a sugar glider. Who knows? It was huge. <laughs> I mean, it was the size of this dining room table. Dang. It was, uh, that is, a.k.a. our studio table, also <laughs> known as my grandmother's dining room set. But right. that I happened to have in my house. But yeah, it, it was gigantic. So it's going to happen, and hopefully it doesn't throw you out of control. You just got to do your best to focus on moving forward. You can't focus on the emergency event of, and I, I remember thinking this owl's 
gonna get enough air like why would a big old bird hit me but yeah. no it, it absolutely can happen i've had friends uh you know who have hit deer oh, uh, my crap. good friend ray who cruised down with me uh i'll tell you about ray watson uh he's got a blog actually ray watson blog and he's got great old photos of the stampede and all the adventures he's ridden and he wrote a ton of them until yeah about two years ago uh maybe two and a half years ago, but him and his wife were cruising along on his road glide. And he says the last thing he remembers was seeing a deer out of the corner of his eye. He woke up a week later in an emergency room, totaled the bike. Uh, his wife had a lot of issue with her leg. She's had a few surgeries. Um, boy, the picture of him on his uh, blog is just, yeah, I mean wow. it, yeah, it, it, it. So it can happen. Yeah, deer cause a lot of damage and kill well, a lot of people in cars. Our, yeah, our good friend Velarde. I mean, his motorcycle's called the Deer Slayer for a reason. Really? You know, he's ridden through two deer with it, and a car that we know of. Hmm. So you know, yeah, they're out there, and you got to be careful. Obviously, the more north you go in the country, the deer get bigger. Oh yeah, you go to Alaska, you got to look out for mm. moose, and those things are as big as a house. Oh yeah, they're. They're gigantic. Even coming back through uh, the Dakotas, though, that I, that trip I took uh, last summer, I was up on the east side of the Dakotas, Minnesota, Sturgis. Yeah, I, I had a small deer come out in front of me when the sun was setting, and I slammed on the brakes, and it stayed right in the road, right in front of me. Literally a deer in headlights. Yeah. That's no, it, it didn't from. see my headlights. Oh, it didn't. And so I, I hit the horn and it still didn't move. <laughs> and it was number two. Anytime you see one deer walking in the road in front of you, there's going to be two or three following it. Right. Usually just two. They travel in packs of, you know, three or four. Um, but this deer just was sitting there just so I, I had to move the motorcycle forward and bump the deer and <laughs> knock it off its hind legs to get it to move out of the way. So it kind of startled and went, oh, I should move. And I can barely <laughs> see this thing with the way the, you know, the color of the deer and the sunset. And then it, the, another one was following it, ran in front of me. You know, two <laughs> seconds later, I asked, huh, it's deer everywhere. Did so, they have antlers? Were these like deer or no, elk? No. Or? no, no, these were little baby deer, actually. They're quite small for the Dakotas. It kind of looked like Texas deer. Well, I think what it is is baby deer have, instead of a fight or flight, they have a freeze um, response yeah, and yeah, that's what they maybe. do they just freeze I just I had to bump this sucker to get out of the road. get out of my way I get out of my way around. Bambi you can move I cannot move <laughs> yeah it was it was pretty ridiculous scared sh- the crap out of me regardless uh, I could have come up on some good venison if you took it out I reckon but I'm not <laughs> then I'd be on the side of the road duct taping my motorcycle back together <laughs> just kidding I only use hockey stick tape I don't right. like duct tape <laughs> But I carry it just in case. I used it to uh, fashion the number plate to my tank this weekend. So. And you were number 27, right? Oh, yeah. They were kind enough to... I walked up and it was number 26 was on the table. I said, well, could I have number 27 said? Oh, sure. Here you go. Cool. <laughs> lucky number 27. It worked out well. Yeah. is It is wasn't it, lucky for me, but hey. No. <laughs> is that a number that you like, 27? Yeah, our bait local that I get to serve oh, with yeah. the presidency of is local 27 here in Riverside. But yeah, we got many different local numbers uh, throughout the state of California and here in Riverside, we're just blessed with lucky number 27. So, so well, I'm it. glad you said that and not something like, Oh, all my favorite rock stars die at the age of 27. So I like the, Oh, I, never number 27. I remember reading that one. Yeah. <laughs> Kirk Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Amy Winehouse. Yeah. I yeah. mean, local 27. That's why it's 27 folks. Well, 27 was a good one for me too. I was probably 350 pounds when I was 27 years old. I remember. And I just, I had to change it. For those of you who have met me, I'm still a pretty big dude. You know, I'm down to 260 now. But, yeah, I've lost almost 100 pounds. I've been down as low as 230. But So back then you were Robert and you shrunk down to Bob. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I, I really had to make a life choice and just stop eating so much. Cause, boy, well, I love you. food. You look great. I love food. Yeah, it took a, took, took a few years, but I got to get back on it. I'm just... Uh, you know, you get big and you keep going. So, yeah, I ran cross country in high school hmm. and I could eat anything then. I would have <laughs> never thought you were the type to do that. Hmm. You don't look like somebody who would run. I mean, like you just look like somebody who would be into uh, automotive maintenance in school and, and riding motorcycles all the time. 
Yeah, well, not, I took not athletics. Years. Yeah, no, I I really enjoyed running, and I reckon it's not much different on my motorcycle. You just keep going all day long and have a good time with it. You just like traveling. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, no, I, I like traveling. Yeah, no, cr- running cross country in high school was just a real treat, and there were uh, seven guys on the varsity team. I was the seventh spot, so I was real. Ex- I'd do my best to keep up with the varsity guys. It. They, uh, anyways, you, I had a great time. When you raced other schools, you came in 27th place. That's right. <laughs> if I was lucky. <laughs> no, nah, that cross country is cool. Cause you run, you run three miles mm-hmm. in a race, you know, and then they, they would time each of your miles. Supposedly yeah. it was kind of hard to do back then with, but uh, maybe it's easier now, but cross country running's always been exciting. Yeah. Nowadays I don't, if you see me running, there might be someone chasing me with a gun. So call the police. I'm just throwing mm-hmm. it out there. Yeah, it's not something I do so much anymore, but it's nice to run fast and far on the motorcycle. Cool. Hey, Scoot in along. other news, I hear there is a magazine article out about American Holy Road heck. Runner. Tell me this, about it. This month's Cycle Source, we got the magazine article out. What month is it? Uh, this would be the month of... You're going to make me put my glasses on, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, this would be uh, Volume 23, Issue 2, May of 19. Find it out at your newsstands for $5.99. Cycle Source, a grassroots motorcycle publication. And uh, I'll tell you what, this was written by our uh, compadre, Mr. Traveling Chopper Charlie. I think it's on page 56. <laughs> now I'm going to read it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna, uh, he just he just uh, gives us some good praise and the exciting things that I've gotten to do on scoots and uh, some exciting things he's gotten to do on scoots. And uh, always good to see one's name in print. Yeah. So that was that was really that was really cool. And I've I've been in a few magazines. My favorite one was Hustler. That would have been cool. <laughs> nice center. Not that magazine. <laughs> uh, my favorite one was a few years ago. Uh, the Horseback Street Chopper magazine reached out to me on some pictures that I put up of my pops from back in the day on his 59 pan. And they said, oh, do you have a few more of those? Maybe we could do a article on it. And that, that article turned out bitching because it was just about uh, him and the awesomeness that he did. Uh, back in the day and the awesomeness he was doing at that day being uh, you know being part of the flying Marshall racing team and getting us out land speed racing so that, that's my favorite article that I got to be in and I got to write that actually and uh, I was kind of surprised they didn't really edit it from what I wrote so cool. do you remember what I know you know the magazine of course but do you remember what volume ep- no it, I really don't. We'll have to check that out so that people can get that. It's a collector's item now. It's probably yeah. The man's dead, so. Well, you aren't. <laughs> the author's not dead. But. I'm not dead. My yeah. son isn't either. Yeah, there's this great picture of us out on the uh, Plaza of El Mirage, mm-hmm. uh, and I think yeah, I'm sitting on the race bike that we put together, my uh, Yamaha 650 that I like to land speed race, and there's my little dude, and he's tiny. I mean, he had to be seven or seven years old. And his shirt's like way too big on him. I mean, it's cute as can, as a button, and you know my pops is there. So, but uh, three yeah. generations of flying marshals. Exactly it, the the flying marshal team. It almost sounds like you guys are a trapeze act. That uh, unfortunately sometimes we are, and that's where <laughs> that that actual name uh, came from. My son, he was uh, riding in his mom's car. Uh, once behind me uh, when I was riding my motorcycle, I was on my rigid and you just get comfortable and my, my arms flap sometimes. So that's what, <laughs> you know, that, that's where it came. he had to be three or four years old. That's it was where it just came cute from? as can be. Yeah. That's where flying Marshall came from, came from my little dude. Your arm flaps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what an angel. Yeah. God, you know, God bless him. <laughs> but yeah, you got to loosen up on a rigid. Otherwise it'll just beat you to death. If you're trying to you got to let the, there's going to be air between you and the machine. Sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta deal with it. And it's all, it's all good. It's a, it's a good way to limit the size of your family. Cause you will, you will definitely put your family jewels out of commission. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. It's no different than riding a BMX bike as a kid. You just need to learn when to stand <laughs> up, learn when to sit down. So yeah. same on a rigid motorcycle. It's not going to kill you. Hasn't killed me yet. 
Or my family jewels, from what I understand. So. <laughs> yeah, you're still going strong. <laughs> uh, every now and then. Uh, not bad. <laughs> Having a good time, that's for sure. Yeah. We got it. I'm, I'm going to say it just to hold them to it, but Danger Dan's supposed to be hitting us up here Wednesday. He's yeah. going to be hanging out in Riverside. So Danger Dan in the house. I know, right? That'll be exciting. Now so we'll be doing some. I know, he better. Yeah. Otherwise, people are going to hear this. They're going to think, Danger Dan didn't make it. <laughs> Danger Dan was riding too dangerous and didn't make it. Yeah, well, he's going to make it. He was the one who raw, who kicked butt on the track there down San Felipe. He yeah. was killing it, man. I want to hear his stories, he's, all the stories that you didn't tell. Well, <laughs> he may not tell you all of them, and that's okay. So That's <laughs> uh, Mexico. If you want to see what happened, you just got to show up. Jump on your scoot, pack a tent, maybe uh, some Imodium AD, and uh, cruise on down. I love it because Biltwell puts all this together and they handed out a great little itinerary of cool stuff that they had planned. And the very last page, uh, and it was great. It was all on top set. I think a typewriter put it out. But the very last page was uh, frequently asked questions of the El Diablo run. And I think the last statement was, it hurts when I pee and someone pooped my sleeping bag. What am I doing wrong? And the statement, <laughs> the statement was, well, you're not doing anything wrong. Welcome to old Mexico. Sounds like you're doing it right. You know, <laughs> so, uh, it's going to happen. But no, nope. EDR 2019. It was a good one. Glad uh, for any of my friends who are out there. I got to say hi to hang out with, share a cup of coffee with, uh, even a beer. Boy, I think I had like three beers all weekend. I was, man, I was letting loose. Whoa. Hanging three. out on the beach, drinking Dos Equis. Mostly, I'd just take a swig or two off a of net, so it's pretty. It's kind of easier <laughs> that way. But you know, everything they, everything you want is right there, and everything's pretty damn affordable. So, Ooh. and everything's negotiable too. You know, all the prices are negotiable. So, hmm. it's a different way of life down there. It's a lost art negotiating or bartering. Oh, Americans really don't know is. how to do it much. No, we don't, and we don't. Uh, you should always ask for a deal. I think so because they're they're happy to hand it out, but you know, stuff's pretty legitimately affordable anyway some of the stuff wasn't you know mm -hmm. some of the clothing wasn't or some of the uh you know there's a few things Annette was walk around looking for yes i spent a few hours saturday morning shopping downtown with Annette. i was <laughs> doing my best ah we had a good time it was a good walk after breakfast but um you know yeah we we had a really good time man san felipe always one of my favorite places in mexico cool. a lot better than tijuana just throwing it out there yeah, sounds good. Well, it looks like we're going to wrap things up. Um, again, I just want to say the podcast is about the attainability of adventure via motorcycle riding and the decommodification of story via the website. So please give us your story and we will post it and we will make something of it. We want to hear your stories of adventure on your two-wheeled machines. This is me sharing my stories. I love hearing other people's stories. As usual, we are blessed by the music here on this show by Meek. From their album Red Sprite Lightning, the song is Here We Are. That's Meek. Mm. 